Hey there, I'm Scott Bertram, and I'm the director of the Hillsdale College Podcast Network. This show and all the other shows on the network are listener-supported. That means we hope for, we count on, frankly, we rely on the support of listeners like you to make our educational outreach possible. One of the best and most convenient ways to do so is joining the Liberty and Learning Society. That's our exclusive monthly giving group. And in this month of March, we are looking for 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society. When you join, you'll help defend liberty through education, and you'll make shows like this one possible far into the future. All you have to do is visit hillsdale.edu slash monthly and complete the secure online donation form. If you need to pause or stop your gift at some point, no problem. Just call us. One of our friendly students or staff will help you. But today, will you be one of the 300 new members of the Liberty and Learning Society in March? Go to hillsdale.edu slash monthly to join the Liberty and Learning Society today. Help us bring these shows to you and other Americans at hillsdale.edu slash monthly. Welcome to the Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education Podcast, bringing you insight into classical education and its unique emphasis on human virtue and moral character, responsible citizenship, content-rich curricula, and teacher-led classrooms. Now your host, Scott Bertram. Thanks for listening. The Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education Podcast is part of the Hillsdale College Podcast Network. More episodes at podcast.hillsdale.edu or wherever you find your audio. You also can find more information on topics and ideas discussed on this show at our website, k12.hillsdale.edu. Thanks for listening. We're joined today by Tomek Jashak. He's a fourth grade teacher at Hillsdale Academy. Tomek, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It is another one of our summer learning series editions of the show. And in this one, we talk about reading. Before we do, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little about what you do at Hillsdale Academy. Sure. So um, I've been a part of the uh, Hillsdale Classical Education Network for about the past 10 years. First four of those years were spent teaching at one of the Hillsdale schools in Texas. Then I had the opportunity to come back here to Hillsdale and work for the K-12 office. So I had an opportunity to uh, go around the country visiting our various schools, kind of getting a bird's eye view of uh, what this looks like uh, across the network. And then most recently uh, this fall, I uh, accepted a position teaching fourth grade at Hillsdale Academy, where my daughter now attends and will soon be a second grader. So excited to be back in the classroom and uh, looking forward uh, to enjoying a, a pretty leisurely summer and then exciting fall. Absolutely. Over the summer, though, we want to talk about how to encourage students to continue to read. What are some ways that the parents and anyone else out there can encourage students to read over the summer? Yeah, I think this is a very important um, a question, very important topic, because the students are hard at work, um, you know, during the course of the school year, as they're, for some of them, learning how to read, uh, for others, um, reading books, which are uh, stretching them, which are challenging them. And we don't want to lose that momentum. There's a lot of hard work that goes during the school year. And we want to avoid a situation where when the students are off of school for the summer, that they just stop reading entirely. And uh, unfortunately, that can happen because when uh, that's not a priority uh, on the student's part or 
on the parent's part, um, then that might be just be seen as something which is unimportant, something which is just work. So if we want our students, we want our children to be uh, these lifelong readers, we have to cultivate that habit. And that means that showing them that it's important, not only in the setting of school, but also um, just in the setting of, of our lives, of, of when we have that opportunity to, to relax, that reading is still something that we do. And so if we want to cultivate that in our children as well, we have to be really intentional about uh, making mm-hmm. time, about making space um, so that this is something which they continue to do and continue to enjoy. For our younger readers, our, our, our beginning readers out there, are there any specific ways that we can suggest to help them read here over the summer? Sure. So here I'm thinking about you know those students, perhaps in the K-1, 2, uh, third grade level, uh, those who have just uh, started reading uh, in their classes. Uh, perhaps they didn't uh, read this past fall, but now they are a little bit. Um, and so there, again, a lot of hard work has gone into this year, and it's exciting for, for these students. So sometimes with, uh, with these sorts of students, it's not as difficult to uh, convince them to read, mm-hmm. um, but we still have to be intentional about giving them that practice. And this doesn't have to be you know, a very time-intensive sort of thing. Keep in mind that they're in a school oftentimes for seven, seven and a half hours. By no means do you need to replicate that sort of thing at home. If you just give them 15, 20 minutes um, uh, each day you know, for, uh, for them to read to you. Um, and we want to find a text which is at their level. Uh, perhaps there's some recommendations from their classroom teacher. If they read, for example, the first book of a particular series, they maybe want to continue with that series. Um, or if the student has a particular interest, but just making that time each day and making and being consistent with that time. For some students that might be as soon as they get up, kind of one of the first things that they do before they run off and they play with their friends. That's great. Perhaps your family setting uh, makes it a little bit easier to do this at the very end of the day, that you're reading to them perhaps a bedtime story, and that might also be a good opportunity right after that for them to read to you. But again, these 15, 20 minutes, that, that's crucial. If they're just practicing these 15 or 20 minutes a day, uh, this is going to be enormously helpful uh, for them moving forward. And for our older, more advanced readers, do we still need to be intentional about this? Do we need to set, set aside that time? What are some uh, some suggestions for that? Absolutely. So w- with older readers, you might here's where you might you're more likely to run to a situation where the student knows how to read, but they just sort of choose not to. And so the summer might be a good opportunity to uh, sort of reframe, reset the student's expectations about reading. And uh, that comes down to the culture of, of your family. That comes down to the culture of your home. You want to surround them uh, with books. Uh, you want to make sure that the that books are something which are readily available to them. And so if that means that a weekly trip to the library is in order, then I think that's a, a great uh, tradition to, to begin doing, um, hopefully starting in the summer and, and continuing well beyond that. But have those books available to them. Probably one of the most important places is they should have a bookshelf in their room. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something where, especially on those times where perhaps they don't quite know what to do with themselves um, when they're bored, uh, when they're looking for something to do, then they can be out of the corner of their eye, see those books that are there on that bookshelf and and wander over there and, and, and start flipping through some of the books that are there. So we have to put them in an environment where they actually want to do that. And you can have some fun with it as well. If there's a cozy nook somewhere in your house, I've heard bathrooms are a good place for it as well. You can just sort of set them up there on top of the toilet. And again, might, that might be a, a place where, where uh, there's a little bit of boredom as well. So, uh, so it's very important to surround them with books to make them clear that this is always an option for them, always something which they can do. But in addition to space, you also need time. And so one practice I've seen a lot of families do is to have sort of designated times, designated quiet times during the day. This doesn't have to be a particularly long period of time. 30 minutes might, might, might suffice. But this is a time where we're not going to be playing with friends. We're not going to be occupying ourselves with other sorts of activities, but just a time where here in our household, there's going to be some quiet. 
And during that time, well, there's some opportunities that you can have. In some families, I've seen that um, one of the parents may be reading aloud to mm-hmm. uh, to their children during this time, uh, perhaps while the children are playing with um, Legos or doing some coloring or something along those lines, but just for them to be hearing those words there in the background. Otherwise, it might be if you have a older or more advanced readers, this might be an opportunity for the parents themselves to open up a book and to encourage their, their students to do so as well. For the next 30 minutes, you're going to be here, right? So again, if you've surrounded them with this, if they know that this is sort of the expectation, that makes it much more uh, likely that they'll sort of join in. It's important for them to see their parents reading um, mm-hmm. because we don't want this to be something which is just a command, just something which uh, they are expected to do. We're trying to encourage the idea that this is a habit. This is something which all people should do. And that has to start with example. So for the parents who perhaps haven't cracked open a book in a little while as well, um, this this sort of quiet time or this, uh, this portion of the day might be a good opportunity to look into what are some of the things that interest mm-hmm. you as a reader. And um, again, give your uh, children the opportunity to see that as well. So this drives my wife crazy, but I think I'm hearing you say that I'm right. So I will intentionally leave books in places around the house that I know my kids will be so they can accidentally see them and perhaps become interested in them. She likes it a bit more tidy. I like that they have the opportunity to figure it out themselves, that this is something that I want, that they want to read. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's kind of amusing because there are some uh, books. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Daniel Willingham's uh, "Raising Children Who Read," and uh, he talks about the bookshelves. Uh, that normally, when we have bookshelves, we just see the spines of those books. Mm-hmm. But I believe that he recommends actually the sorts of books where you can see the covers yeah. of them, right? Because that's kind of draws you in a little bit more. It might be a picture. It might be a book which you, if I just described it to you in your words, you would have no interest in whatsoever. But the fact that it's there, that you see it, that it grabs your attention, suddenly you're engrossed in a book which that morning you would have no idea that you were interested in. One more question on some of the more advanced readers that might be at home. I have one who is a great reader and loves reading. I want to help him improve his reading comprehension over the summer and the retention of information that perhaps he has read. Any ways to do that? Whenever you have uh, a child who's reading and you want to help them with their comprehension, uh, talk to them about what it is that they read. Uh, the dinner table is a great opportunity for something like this. But if they've spent you know, a good portion of the day or even if it was just 20 or 30 minutes reading about a particular thing, ask them, what were they reading about? Even just that act of recalling and retelling, uh, narrating back to you the sorts of things that they've read um, is going to pay tremendous dividends with regards to their ability to understand that. And this does always have to lead to an in-depth conversation, but it might, depending on the sort of things that they're reading. So mm-hmm. hand in hand with reading comes good conversation. And so the more that we can foster that as well, uh, the better off our, our students and our children will be. And for the, the younger readers, the developing readers, what's the role of reading aloud? How, how involved should parents be in reading to those students at any point, but specifically here over the summer. Right. And I think that one mistake that some parents make is, especially when their uh, children begin to read and are better readers, that the practice of reading aloud just kind of drops off. Mm-hmm. Where, again, if you don't have a, a family culture of this, it might be a little bit of a pushback, uh, perhaps early on. But we want reading aloud to be sort of a family activity, the sort of thing where, again, even if it's a, an older child, something which they can benefit from. And so with read alouds, The advantage here is that you're exposing them to higher, to more meaningful texts. In the case of a uh, struggling reader or or a child who just learned to read, um, they're not capable, perhaps, of reading some of these texts. They can read, you know, books like Frog and Toad uh, or maybe even Amelia Bedelia, 
But when you're reading to them from The Wind in the Willows or The Princess and the Goblin, then you're exposing them to such richer language than they would have otherwise. Mm-hmm. But going back to the the earlier question about the uh, discussion and the, and the comprehension, these read alouds also give an opportunity for sort of a shared experience uh, of the family where you all now know a little bit about this story. That can foster some great conversation and strengthen the bonds even w- within the members of the family. In terms of what to read over the summer, what, what what sorts of books, hopefully they're reading things they love during the course of the school year as well, but over the summer, there's a little more freedom for the types of books that might be read. I think that the summer is a great time to follow the kids' interests. This is particularly true when you have, for example, your kid who's a bit of a history buff or mm-hmm. someone who's really gotten into space and science and that sort of thing. If you don't have those sorts of books at home, when you take them to the library, get a sense beforehand of, well, what sorts of books should we be looking for, right? What kinds of things are you interested in reading? And it's possible that you'll pick some books and they'll sort of fall flat, but we want reading to be an enjoyable enterprise. And so we want to follow a little bit of what our students' motivations are about the sorts of things that they care about. Um, That's not to say that you're limited to that by any means. And again, here's where the read aloud is a good example of this, because if you're the one who's doing the reading, um, then you're going to have a little bit um, less pushback, uh, let's say, on on the parts of our students and parts of our children uh, with regards to the sorts of things that are being read. So... I think that following the children's uh, interests is is fine to a point, but if there are certain books that you kind of wish that they would um, be exposed to, read aloud is a great opportunity for that. The other thing is that it's possible that you pick up a book and either have them read it independently or reading it to them, and it just kind of falls flat. Um, it's just a book which no one really seems to be enjoying. It's okay to put down a book. I think that's an important <laughs> lesson for, for anyone as for well. For everyone. For yeah. everyone, is that um, just because you start a book, you are under no obligation to finish it. And for them to see that, look, there are an awful lot of things out there that, that we can read. And so maybe this one didn't quite grab our interest, and so uh, we'll put it down. And, and maybe we'll pick it up another time, or we'll find one of the many other great works that there are to, to spend our time with. Depending on ages, do we care about fiction, nonfiction, mixture? Um, if someone, again, if a child really likes biographies and learning about people, is it okay if we sort of focus on that over the course of a summer? I don't think that there's any uh, distinction between fiction, nonfiction when it comes to age, because again, you're following the, the child's interests. So if you have someone who's really interested in a particular um, historical or scientific phenomenon, then uh, they might be more guided towards those. Uh, my own children don't seem to have quite as much interest in that sort of thing. They want to hear stories. Um, and so for that reason, we dwell much more in the realm of fiction. So I wouldn't worry about um, meeting a quota of one or the other. Just the fact that you are spending this time reading with them and encouraging them to read is going to be very fruitful for them. And look, if we're just trying to say we want to we want to we want to foster your love of reading, we want to develop your interest in the things you're reading about Are there certain things that parents can do over the summer to make that a a goal? I think that these practices uh, of setting uh, time aside, setting space aside uh, to read with and to encourage our students to read, we want to discourage the notion that the summer is a time of not doing any work whatsoever. Uh, Summer is a time in order to pursue our passions. There's no reason why um, uh, reading books, reading great books, can't be part of those passions as well. Tomek Jashak, he is a fourth grade teacher at Hillsdale Academy, talking today about our summer learning series and reading. Tomek, thanks thanks so much for joining us here on the Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm Scott Bertram. We invite you to like us on Facebook. Search for Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education. You also can follow us on Instagram at Hillsdale underscore K-12 hillsdale underscore k12 on instagram 
Thank you for listening to the Hillsdale College K-12 Classical Education Podcast, part of the Hillsdale College Podcast Network. More episodes at podcast.hillsdale.edu or wherever you find your audio. Music